Amen. Amen. Thank you, babe. For those of you who are new, this is my wife, Christina. And I'm glad you're here. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome. And uh, I'm so glad that you're here. We had an incredible Christmas season. And I'm excited. Every new year, it just, it's weird. Uh, it's just another day. You wake up just like every other day. But for some reason, it feels like a new season. It feels like God has something planned for the next year. And I get excited every new year. And so I'm glad that you're here. My name is Blake, and I'm the lead pastor. And uh, we are going to start pretty soon a series. Next Sunday, uh, we're going to be starting a series called The Ways of Jesus which is all about being transformed by the practices that Jesus modeled throughout his life in the Bible. And so we'll spend some time talking about the importance of things like prayer and silence and solitude and Sabbath rest. We're going to talk about fasting for a bit. We're going to talk about the things that Jesus modeled throughout his life that sustained him and that uh, that, that, that he used to connect with the Father uh, because we want to practice the ways of Jesus, don't we? We want to be like Jesus, and so next week we're going to jump into the ways of Jesus, but today's message is going to serve sort of as an introduction to this series, because before we talk about all of those things, all of those practices that we can do, all of the disciplines that we can do, we first need to talk about the desire to be with God. Because all of those things that we do, they flow from a desire to be with God. They flow from this place of, of, of wanting intimacy with the Father. And that's why we practice prayer and silence and solitude and fasting and Sabbath rest. Is because all of that provides opportunities for us to be with Him. And so to set the stage for this upcoming series, before anybody reads into the series that it's a series about, about works, it's a series about doing, it's a series about disciplines, no, no, no. This is going to be a series about abiding in the presence of God, a series about being with Jesus. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Matthew, Mark, Luke, there we go. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Here we go. Are you there with me? Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted Say distracted. She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset. Say worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, before we really dive into this, I want to say as a side note, I think it's worth mentioning how much Jesus loves and values women. 
He loves and values women. See, in the first century, uh, only men were allowed to go to school and learn from rabbis about the Bible. Uh, they could only, and, and women were not permitted to go learn uh, about the Bible or sit under the teaching of a rabbi unless they heard it from their husband. And so the husband would go to school and learn all these things about the Bible, and he would come back and relay it to his wife. And women were not permitted to listen to teachings. But Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus is, is instructing her. She's listening to the words of Jesus. And this is a big deal for this to be mentioned in a first century writing. It's actually a really big deal. And it shows us how much Jesus loves and values women and how much uh, the things of God, the things of heaven, Jesus knew from the very beginning that it's just, for mu- just as much for women as it is for men. There's no separation there. The Bible says that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, that, that men and women, young and old, slaves and free will prophesy. It talks about how God desires to encounter. He desires to be with. He desires for everyone to sit at his feet. And so I love how the, how the author of this stuck this in this chapter to show us how much jesus loves and values women and martha on the other hand she's doing what was expected of women at the time she's busy cooking a meal and she's distracted she's distracted from what the bible says that she's distracted from something what is she distracted from she's distracted from sitting at the feet of jesus and listening to what jesus is saying How many of you have ever been distracted before to where you've been distracted? You've been pulled away from listening to the voice of God. You've been distracted from listening to what Jesus has to say over your life because you're busy making preparations. You're busy doing things and and you're keeping yourself, uh, you're keeping yourself going at a hundred miles an hour. See, anyone, uh, anyone who has ever hosted a party can feel the tension and empathize with Martha. But she's making a sandwich that Jesus didn't order. And this this isn't just a meal, though. This is a very important person at her house. There are things that need to get done. Does anybody know what this feels like? Right? Dinner isn't going to make itself. Dishes aren't going to clean themselves. The table isn't going to set itself. There isn't a Papa Murphy's pizza that you can order a couple family-sized pizzas at. Martha is thinking to herself, if I don't do it, then nobody will do it and we won't eat dinner. I think we can all understand Martha's struggle, right? Come on, we, can all, we all can empathize with Martha that, that she's trying to do a good thing, right? We live in a society that values busyness. We are a, 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 we are a culture of workaholics. And, and being a workaholic gets praised at times, doesn't it? Wow, he is working 60 hours a week. She is working 60 hours a week because she's trying to put food on, her, on the table. For, she's a single mom. She's busy. This guy, he's trying to give his kids a good life. It's a noble cause. We think to ourselves, it's a noble cause. And we celebrate workaholics and we celebrate being busy. We all can understand Martha's struggle. And notice that Martha, she doesn't complain about doing the work. She's not complaining about the work. She comes to Jesus, and instead, she's critical of what Mary is doing. She's critical that Mary's not helping her. That's her complaint. Now, if I had to guess, I would bet that Martha deeply desires to sit at the feet of Jesus, just like everybody else, and listen to him. But she feels the weight of responsibility and the assumed expectations of others. 
And she's thinking to herself, how come Mary gets to sit and listen? And I'm always the one getting things done. I don't have time to do what Mary's doing because the weight of responsibility falls on me. And I, I have to get all these done. There's these, there's these deadlines I have to meet. There's people, there's expectations I have to meet. There's bills I've got to pay. I've got to do these things. And if I don't do them, then they won't get done. I don't have time to sit down and listen to Jesus. Anybody relate to that? Come on, this is a message for me. If nobody else is listening to this, this is fine. I want to preach to myself this morning. I love what Jesus does, though. He kind of slows down the pace. You can feel the fran- how frantic Martha is. She's like, Jesus, I- tell her to get up and help me. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, Martha. Yeah, chill. That's right, <laughs> chill. He says, Martha, Martha. And he says this, you are worried and upset. And I know the solution. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset. And the solution is to sit and listen. Hmm. That seems counterintuitive, Jesus. How is sitting and listening to your voice going to complete all the things that I need to complete? How, is, how am I going to get things done? How am I going to live life if I take time to sit and listen to you? It seems counterintuitive. See, the problem has nothing to do with Mary. It has everything to do with how Martha perceives Jesus. For Martha, Jesus wants good service. For Mary, Jesus wants good listeners. Let me say that again. I'm going to say it differently. Jesus doesn't want good service. He wants good listeners. He wants people who, who are going to hear his voice and obey what he says. He wants good listeners. See, for, for, for Martha, Jesus wants us to do things for him. But for Mary, Jesus wants us to be with him. It's a priority in Jesus' mind that Mary has chosen the better things and it won't be taken away from her. The priority is not to do things for God. It's to be with God. But there's a healthy balance. Jesus wants us to prioritize being with him. Does that mean that we forsake doing things for him? No, absolutely not. It means that we have to learn to develop a healthy lifestyle That allows us to balance quiet time listening to the voice of God with activity for God. There's a balance here. You know, a couple years ago, Christina and I were at a Foursquare conference. And and we went to this marriage workshop for for pastors and their spouses. And you guys were there too. And uh, one woman at the workshop, I'm not going to say any names. She shared how she and her husband have 10 children. And she described how crazy the mornings were. That then in the morning, everybody wakes up and, and she's got to make breakfast for everybody. She's got to make sure everybody's dressed. She's got to pack lunches for everybody. She's got to make sure that all the, the homework is done and completed. And she does this all alone in the mornings because her husband is in the other room spending one to two hours every morning reading his Bible and praying alone. And when she shared that, there was this crazy look that came over all the wives and judgment just began to fall on this poor man. And I could, feel, I could feel the tension. And I was like, oh, this feels weird in here now. <laughs> you know, is that husband doing a good thing? Spending time in the presence of God, reading his Bible one to two hours a day. Absolutely, he's doing a good thing. Is there a better time to do it so that he can help his wife? Yes. He should probably <laughs> immediately from the front row, yes. 
<laughs> this is the kind of, oh, it's what I was feeling in that room that day. See, he should probably go to bed earlier so he can wake up earlier before all the craziness starts, right? There's a, there's a balance. There's a balance that we have to discover between that quiet listening time spent with God and then life. We have, a, we, have a, we have lives. We have things that we have to do. But Jesus wants to teach us how to prioritize spending time with him, how to make that the first thing that you put on your calendar, the first thing that you plan to do. There's still things that we need to get done, and we have a responsibility to do more than just listen to God's voice. We need to obey God's voice, just like James says in chapter 122. He says, do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. You can't just listen, but you have to do. And so there's this action that is involved in our life. There's things that we have to do in our life. There are responsibilities and, and, and things that we have to complete in our life. But Jesus makes it clear that the priority should be to sit at his feet and listen, that that is the better way. Mary has chosen the better way. I want you to take a moment right now to inspect your relationship with Jesus. And ponder these questions. Am I spiritually, emotionally, or physically tired because I've engaged in more activities than I can sustain? Am I receiving from God? Am I receiving from God more than I do for Him? This is a big one. Do I enjoy Jesus? Come on. If you don't enjoy Jesus, you're not going to want to share Him with anybody. Do I enjoy Jesus? Do I have a relationship with Jesus that I enjoy? I look forward to spending time with Jesus. I want to enjoy Jesus. Do you enjoy Jesus and want to share him with others? Have I established a regular and sustainable rhythms? Have I, excuse me, have I established regular and sustainable rhythms that make it possible to handle the demands and pressures of life? Come on, have you developed habits and, 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 and disciplines, are they in place so that you can handle the pressures of life? Is my cup full and running over? Is my relationship with God, do I feel like it's full and running over? When I feel depleted, am I able, am I able to pivot and adjust my schedule? Have you made time? Have you set yourself up in such a way that when you feel exhausted, when you feel drained you can adjust your schedule to fix things so that you can be full i want you to write this down we all have we all have relationships we all have we all have things that we need to complete in life we've got marriages we've got children we've got workplaces we've got social lives we've got entertainment lives we've got all these things that we need to do and we worry just like martha did about getting everything done but i want you to write this down the time i spend with jesus is the greatest gift that I can give to others. The time I spend with Jesus is the greatest gift I can give to other people. The greatest gift for your marriage is time spent with Jesus. The greatest gift that you could give your kids is the time you spend with Jesus. The greatest gift for your workplace or your business is the time you spend with Jesus. The greatest gift of your, for your friendships and other relationships in life is the time that you spend with Jesus. It's the greatest gift you can give other people. Why? Because in those times, God gives you the compassion, the grace, the wisdom, the drive 
to do the things that you need to do in life. This is where you get your cup full. This is where God fills you up, where he gives you focus. How many of you know that God, if, if you give God control of your life, he's going to steer your life in a way better direction than you can ever steer it? He's going to take you to places that you can never take yourself. When you give God control, when you prioritize time with him, he's going to make sure that you get to where he wants you to be. So if we're supposed to prioritize being with God versus doing things for God, then what are some practical ways? How do I begin? You know, I've, I, I can say this for myself. I've, and in some areas of my life, I've royally messed up. I, I, don't, I haven't created space. I haven't created time. I haven't been disciplined. And, and how do I get back on track? What are ways that I can be with God? What are some practical things that I can do? Well, I've got three things for you. And we're going to talk more in depth about these things throughout this next series. This first one I stole from Pastor John Mark Comer in Portland. So thank you, Pastor John Mark. The first thing is this. We need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Did you know that the average walking speed of any person is three to four miles per hour? Why is that relevant, Pastor Blake? Because it means that for most of Jesus' life, He never went faster than three to four miles per hour. Yeah, I'm sure he ran every once in a while. He rode a donkey. He probably rode some horses. But he traveled, he walked with his disciples from place to place for most of his life. At no no faster than probably three to four miles per hour. Jesus was never in a hurry. He was never in a hurry. He was never rushed. He took time to be with God. In fact, he was so not in a hurry... That I, I never caught this before, this last week as I was studying this. In John chapter 20, verses 6, six through 7, look what Jesus does after he rises from the grave. It says, Peter came following him and entered the tomb. And he looked at the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth which had been on his head, Jesus' head. Not lying with the linen wrappings, but folded up in a place by itself. What does this mean? It means that Jesus rises from the grave, he does a few stretches, and he doesn't just rush out of the tomb, but instead he takes his burial garments and he nicely folds them and puts them in their place. Come on. If that's not being in a hurry, I don't know. I don't know what is. Jesus gets out of the grave, he gets out of the tomb, and instead of just leaving and seeing his friends, he folds his burial garments. Jesus was never in a hurry. Now, think of our lives. We tell ourselves that if we have some extra time, we'll see if we can spend it with God at the end of the day, five to ten minutes at the end of the day. And the problem is we don't have extra time because the pressures of performance and busyness keep us from resting and slowing down. We justify driving 10 to 15 miles over the speed limit so that we can save a couple minutes. Yeah, you laugh, but it's all of us, you know, it's me too. See, we're annoyed when people arrive a few minutes late because they're wasting my time. I got things I need to do. Why are you five minutes late? Didn't you care about my time? Instead of sitting quietly on the couch or being present with our families, we get caught up scrolling through our social media feeds or browsing the internet because we're addicted to busyness. Now, this hurts me probably more than it hurts you because I do this. I'm the, I'm, I'm the culprit here. In fact, my son, Gideon, he's right here in the front row. 
he, he sometimes, he'll call me a zombie. He'll walk into the room and he'll see me on my phone and he'll go, Dad, you're turning into a zombie. <laughs> he reminds me that I need to get off my phone and be present with my family. But we do this because we're addicted to busyness. We can't slow down. We want our minds continually to be activated and to be doing something. And, and when, we're, when there's a commercial break, if we're binge-watching a show and there's a 30-second commercial break, we whip out our phones and we're just like, okay, let me check my Instagram feed real quick before... You know, this is the habit that we have in our culture. In order to prioritize being with God, we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry by retraining our minds to tune into the voice of God in a world of distraction and busyness. See, this is going to be the primary verse in this upcoming series. It's Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Don't get sucked in to the busyness and the hurry. Don't do what the rest of the world is doing. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, church, it all begins in the mind. It begins in the mind. Discovering the gift of time spent with Jesus is a battle of the mind. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset, and your mind is focused on the wrong thing. Martha, slow down. Take a note from your sister, Martha. I'm not measuring the things that you do. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Martha, just sit and listen. You don't need to be in a hurry all the time. You don't need to be doing things all the time. Things will get done, but the priority now is to sit and listen. If Martha would have sat and listened to Jesus, do you think they would have had dinner that night? I don't know. Does it matter? Does it matter? They, time spent in the presence of Jesus is the priority. See, G, Jesus is the one who multiplied fish, you guys. He made food where there was no food. Martha didn't have to be doing everything. She's that personality, though. There's people in this room who are like, I'm so identifying with Martha right now. I, I don't know how to turn it off. I don't know how to sit down and be quiet. I'm constantly thinking of the next thing to do. We see husbands, I can see husbands leaning over, whispering in their wife's ears right now, saying, that's you, babe, that's you. We're addicted to hurry. We're addicted to busyness. This is all of us, church. But can you hear the voice of Jesus calling you? My sheep hear my voice. Can you hear the voice of Jesus calling you out of hurry, calling you to slow down? so you can make time for him. That requires us to make radical decisions, church. Radical changes in our schedules. Radical commitments, maybe to get up earlier. Oh, I don't want to get up earlier. I've got four kids. Four kids, five and under. I'm exhausted all the time. I don't want to get up earlier. But what can I do? How can I prioritize spending time with Jesus? The second thing that Second way that we can be with God is this. This is important. We need to get alone and be silent. Get alone and be silent. I cannot stress enough how important it is that we spend time every day alone and in silence. Learning to hear the voice of God requires an atmosphere that accommodates his still small whispers. 
Now, some of you parents out there, you're thinking what I'm thinking is, I don't have a space. I don't have a time. It's never quiet in my house. It's always loud. It's always busy. There's always chaos. What can you do? Can you get up a little earlier? Can you go to bed a little bit earlier so that you can wake up a little bit earlier? There's a story in 1 Kings about the prophet Elijah who's desperate to hear the voice of the Lord. He's desperate. He's hiding. He, uh, he's hiding from uh, Jezebel, and he's, he's in a mountain, and the Lord tells him that he's going to pass by to hide yourself in this, in this, behind this rock, and I'm going to pass by. And so the Lord passes by, and there's this great wind that tears the mountains apart, but the Lord, the Bible says that the Lord wasn't in the wind. And then after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was a fire. Surely God has to be in the fire. I mean, it's, the, it's like, that's the Holy Spirit, right? That, he's seen in fire all the time, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire was a still, small voice that began to speak to Elijah and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you hiding? It was in the still, small whisper. God speaks to us through his word, but he's still speaking to us and through the Holy Spirit, and we can hear his voice if we're quiet and we tune our ears to hear. Sometimes, sometimes his voice is a thought. He puts a thought in your mind, and you know that it's God because you can take it to Scripture and it aligns with the Bible. God will give you a thought, and you wonder, God, is this your voice? Is it, am I hearing you? And you take it to Scripture, and it's confirmed in Scripture. God speaks to us that way. You know how else God speaks to us? He speaks to us through our emotions. You know that when you got saved, not, not just your body, not just your spirit was redeemed, but your emotions were, were redeemed? God redeemed your emotions. He speaks to you through your emotions. And when we are alone and when we're still, we can begin to listen to what our emotions are trying to tell us. Oftentimes, we ignore what we're feeling because we're so distracted and so busy that we don't stop to recognize I am not in a good place emotionally. I'm angry. I'm anxious. I've got all these things happening in my life. We don't stop to listen to what God is telling us in our emotions so that we can ask the hard questions like, why am I so angry? What is causing this anxiety? Why am I always in a hurry? Why do I avoid conflicts? Why am I so impatient? God speaks to you. Through his word, he speaks to you through that still, small voice, and he speaks to you through your emotions sometimes. But you have to be still. You have to be alone and be quiet and begin to recognize and feel what God is trying to tell you. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. When you're still before God, You're doing something. You're surrendering your agenda and your schedule. It's hard sometimes to sit before God in quiet, to to carve out that time. But when you do that, you're tithing your time. You're giving him that time. You're surrendering your agenda and your schedule. And you're telling him that what he wants to speak to you is more important than what you have to do. What God wants to say to you is more important than what you want to accomplish. More than what you want to do for God. More than the things that need to get completed, God's voice, what he's speaking to you is more important. And the third way that we be with God is this, is we commune with Jesus throughout the day. 
Come on, it's not just a set time that we carve out in the morning, but we commune with Jesus throughout the day. Now, I tend, and if you're like me, you're going to relate to this, I tend to separate my time with Jesus from everything else. I have, I have my work time. I've got my family time. I've got my social life with my friends. I have entertainment time, and then I have time with Jesus. And we compartmentalize those things. And we break those things up. You know, I started doing something in my quiet time with God, and maybe this will help you. But this helps me to focus in the moment and prevents me from getting distracted. I try to spend five minutes in complete silence when I come to the office or when, I, when, I, when I'm having time with God. I started off by just having five minutes of complete silence. And in order to keep my mind reeling and racing and thinking of other things, I envision myself uh, coming out of the woods. This is just what I do. You can take this or leave it. But I envision myself coming out of the woods into a campsite because I love to camp. And I envision myself coming into a campsite and I try to picture what Jesus is doing in the campsite. Is he fishing? Is he making a fire? Is he eating? Is he resting? What's Jesus doing? And I try to envision in my head what Jesus is doing and then I just get near him. I just get close to Jesus in my mind and I sit and I listen. Sometimes he speaks, sometimes he doesn't, but I'm spending time with Jesus. And so if that helps you to visualize spending time with Jesus, I have a friend who does this. He'll, he envisions uh, Jesus pulling up in a pickup truck and you just open up the passenger drawer and hop in the, the passenger side of the truck and sometimes Jesus speaks. He's, he's got his hands on the wheel. He's in control. Sometimes he speaks. Sometimes he doesn't. But then when Jesus goes to drop off my friend, he'll get out of the truck and say, hey Jesus, I just really enjoyed spending time with you. So if that helps you visualize uh, time spent with jesus go for it i hope you use that tool so after a couple times of doing this i would come out of this forest and into this campsite and jesus you know sometimes he would speak sometimes he wouldn't about the fifth or sixth time that i did this i came out of the forest and i i saw jesus sitting around the fire and as i walked up to jesus he i could notice he had a kind of a sad look on his face and i got close to jesus now again church this is just me this is not in the bible okay this is this is how this is how the lord was speaking to me this day and I got close to Jesus, and I saw this sad look on his face. And I said, Jesus, what's the matter? And he looked at me, and he said, how come when you leave this place, you never ask me to come with you? And I thought, <laughs> I didn't know that you wanted to come with me. See, Jesus was telling me that he wants to be involved in my whole life. Not just the five minutes I carve out for him in the morning, not just the time I dedicate to him that, in that moment, but he wants to be involved in everything. He wants me to recognize his presence when I'm with my family or my friends. Get this, church, and this blows my mind. He even wants us to invite him to relax with us. When we're having our zone-out time, our binge-watching time, when we're just doing nothing, invite Jesus into that moment. Invite Jesus to watch Netflix with you. Now let me ask you this. Do you think you'd watch different shows or movies if you invited Jesus to sit on the couch next to you? Come on. We probably all would. If you invite Jesus into your downtime, into your relaxing time, it'll change the way that you relax probably, right? It'll change the way that you relax so that you can, do, you can focus on what is good and what is pleasing to God. Ask Jesus to come into every moment of your life, even those downtimes. This is the powerful thing about being silent and listening to Jesus' voice, is that he says things directly to your heart, things that are specifically for you. 
And anyone can do this. Don't just think that because I'm a pastor, I've got a secret sauce or a special connection with God because I don't. Anyone can do this. We all have to do this. We all have to learn to be with Jesus. You can do this. You have got to do this. You see, Mary was aware of the ultimate prize. Martha was looking for a pat on the back because of her good behavior and her good deeds and was doing things for God. But see, the currency of heaven is not obtained with good works and by doing things for God. It's found in the presence of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying when I talk about the currency of heaven? That, that when you spend time with Jesus, you are sowing into a history with God. You're sowing into a secret place, secret time with God that nobody knows about. You're sowing into a relationship with God, and you might not experience the fruit of what you're sowing, but one day when you are facing a giant, you'll be able to say, hey, I slayed a lion and a bear when nobody was watching in the secret place, and it's given me the strength and the courage and the ability to slay a giant when everybody is watching. Come on. It's the currency of heaven that when you spend time with Jesus, when you are in his presence, when you are looking at his eyes, listening to his voice, you are receiving the currency of heaven. You're sowing into a relationship with God that one day you are going to take a withdrawal from to do something for the Lord. When you receive Jesus' forgiveness of your sins, you were given the greatest prize that anyone could ever receive. It's intimacy with the Heavenly Father. Think of it. For thousands of years, people of, the people of God were separate from the presence of God. When the tabernacle and the temple was up, the, the presence of God was in the holiest of holies, and you were not allowed to have intimacy with the Father. Only once a year, the priest would go in there, and he would make a, a sacrifice for the atonement of the nation, and, and you were not allowed to have intimacy with God. And when Jesus died on the cross and took away your sins, suddenly that veil that separated you from the presence of God was torn and you were given the greatest gift that you could ever receive. Intimacy with the creator of the universe. We have got to stop living our lives as if there is something else to attain. Slow down because you already have it. You already have it all. There's no greater gift than the gift of the presence of God. And when the presence of Jesus is your ultimate prize, then you'll be able to live without fear of the opinions of people. How many of us live in fear of what people think of us? And it keeps us, it keeps us from, from stepping out, from doing things that God has called us to do because we're afraid of what people are going to think of me. But when Jesus and pre- his presence is the ultimate prize, that fear leaves Because you don't need the validation of others. You have the validation of your heavenly father who says you are perfect, who says that you have been given everything that you need to accomplish what he's asked you to do. When you spend time in his presence, the fear of people fall off of you. What else happens when you spend time with Jesus and make him your ultimate prize? You experience a peace in the middle of storms that is indescribable. When you're facing hardships and struggles and the the bank account doesn't make sense and there's somebody sick in the family and and there's storms in your life, when when the presence of God is your ultimate prize, you get this indescribable peace that allows you to move and operate in the midst of all these storms. What else happens? You exhibit a joy 
that is supernatural when the world seems to be getting darker. Come on, we get on the news and we look at what's happening around the world and the first reaction I have is just, man, this place sucks. This is just hard. This world that we're living in is hard. It's hard to sustain joy. But when Jesus is your ultimate prize, he is joy. He is love. He is peace. And when you are in the presence of God, you exhibit a joy in your life that's supernatural. And everybody looks at you like you're crazy because you're so full of joy. How can you be so happy? How can you be so joyful in the midst of everything that's happening in your world and in the world around you? Make sitting at the feet of Jesus the ultimate prize. Next week, we're going to start this series, and we're going to look closely at the ways that Jesus transforms our minds, these practices that transform us from the inside out. And as we begin this new series, we're also going to begin a 21-day time of prayer and fasting. Starting next Sunday, we're going to have a time of prayer and fasting for 21 days, and I am going to be led, uh, and and we're going to be led by this book uh, called Starving. It's a good title for a fasting book, isn't it? It's called Starving, and and the reason why I love this book so much is that if you've never fasted before, this book is perfect for you. If you fast all the time, this book is perfect for you, okay? Uh, What it is is it's got 21 devotionals. You can do a devotional every day, but it's also... It also has daily commitments and things that you commit to uh, during your time fasting. So day one is to to get in the habit of journaling. Uh, Day two is becoming more concerned about your water consumption. And then day three, you exclude junk food and sugar for the rest of your fast. Now, I I want you to pray about this, church. I'm, I'm inviting you to do this, okay? I'm not saying that the whole church has to do this together, but I strongly, strongly urge you to consider prioritizing time with Jesus every day and pursuing Jesus for 21 days starting next Sunday. And it it leads all the way up to, I think, day 11, we begin a Daniel fast where we're just doing fruits and vegetables. Um, And so I want you to pray about it. Some of you have dietary things that maybe you're concerned about. You can modify this in a way that fits uh, how the doctor is recommending for you to live your life. But I want you to consider fasting and praying starting next sunday and prioritizing time with jesus begin to develop you know they say that it takes 21 days to form a new habit and so uh begin to prioritize time with jesus so that we can build new habits and new disciplines in our life and we can say jesus i want to make sitting at your feet the ultimate prize so next sunday these books are going to be available at the info table they are $15, uh, and so if you want, you can pick one up next Sunday. You can bring cash or a check, or you can even pay. Uh, we're going to do the Honor System Church, so if you want to you know, drop $15 online and pay online, you can do that, pick up a book. We're not going to be you know, making account of who's paid or who's not, uh, but I want, you to, uh, I want you to pick up one of these books if you feel led uh, to fast and to pray with us starting next Sunday. Or you can purchase it on Amazon. If you have a Kindle subscription, it's actually free. So you could go on Amazon and download it for free if you have a Kindle subscription. But I encourage all of you to participate in this. I'm so excited uh, to, to start this next week so that we can sit at the feet of Jesus and just listen to what he has to say to us in this next year. Amen? Let's all stand together and let me pray over you.
Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our church, for what you did in 2021. We're so grateful. And Lord, continue to grow us, continue to shape us and mold us. I pray that this next year would be marked as a year of new habits, a year of transformation. God, that this would be a year of transforming our minds. We love you, Jesus. And we ask that you would give us the grace, the strength to do and go where you're leading us and that we would be able to sit at your feet and listen to your voice. We love you. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Love you, church. We'll see you next week.